Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. This, this room is actually pregnant with a passion for the nations. Uh, there is so much depth and heritage and history and dreams about the future for the nations in this room. Many of us have been in nations, moved overseas, for the sake of the gospel. Some of you have come from your home nations to live in London, trying to make a a home here. We have the nations here in our hearts, I think. And I, I think a video like this really does resonate with many of us because we do live with this kind of dual sense of being here and somewhere else at the same time that we actually do live our lives in this place but have a passion for God to to work in another place as well and we're aware of the news and things that happen to think no my heart burns for that place as well or for that people group and so what I really want to do today is is really just breathe on this this passion that is within the room already and within us as a church that God would blow by his Holy Spirit and just develop this passion that is within us as a church. Not a passion of hype for a moment and excitement, but a passion that actually shapes our church and shapes our lives and shapes our finances and shapes the direction of what we think our life is about. One of the things I was worshipping at the back and just thinking about us as a church was just this awareness that we as a church are much more than we can see right now in the room. There is so much more that we are involved with than what we can see right now. And I think Andrew is touching on this. It's this idea that, yes, we are here right now, but actually there is a legacy being left through Trinity Church London that is way beyond what we see. We walk by faith, not by sight. And there are people in the nations that we are going to touch and lives that we are going to touch with this special offering and with our prayers and with our going and with our staying that is actually going to leave a legacy across the nations and into the next generations that is way beyond us. And so I want to just breathe on this really and just allow the Holy Spirit to just come and work in our hearts and lift our faith to see what God would do through us. So we're going to read Psalm 96. And I'm going to just introduce this. And then we're going to just lift out three themes from this, from this psalm. So Psalm 96. This is great missionary nations psalm. It says this, O oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvellous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, hallelujah, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendour of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord, he reigns. 
Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved, and he will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you the the lord of glory one with strength and beauty in your presence and we come as your people lord with this psalm with a passion to see your glory known amongst the nations asking that you would come upon us that you would breathe upon us by the holy spirit that you would lift us by faith and that our impact across the nations and beyond us into the next generations would be way beyond us It would be a work of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Use us, we ask, for the nation's sake and for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. This is an interesting psalm because it it was first sung at the moment where David established Jerusalem as the capital city of Israel. So he moves his family and he moves the officials to Jerusalem and he establishes Jerusalem as the capital city. And then the last thing he does is he brings the Ark of the Covenant into the city to establish really the purposes of God, the presence of God and this symbol of all the promises of God in the centre of Jerusalem. And we're told in 1 Chronicles 16 that as the ark is brought into the city and as it were the capital city is finished and established that the king is there and God is there he brings us in and this psalm is sung. And we're told that this is the psalm that they sing to declare praise and glory all that God has done in his salvation over his people. But it's this amazing moment because you would think this this would be the moment of like nationalistic pride this is Israel finally being established this is Israel with his own capital city now this is Israel with King David the zenith of all the kings all the glory all the wealth establishing winning battles all over the place and now God resides in Jerusalem think this is the moment of national pride for Israel and yet the very beating heart of Jerusalem is this passion for the nations that they sing not just for the glory of God in Israel but in Israel for the sake of the nations some sometimes people think the old testament is like it's very Israel centered and then that the new testament is very like nation centered that it's kind of all about Israel in the old and all about the nations in the new but actually when you read the old testament from Genesis 1 Genesis 12 throughout the history of Israel the beating passion of God and his people is that his glory would be known not just in one place but across the face of the earth that one nation will be blessed why so that the nations will be blessed this city is established so that the nations can be established in God. God comes to one people so that all the peoples might come to know him. When you actually come to worship the God who created the heavens and the earth and made everyone in his image, when you actually come to worship this God, any sense of nationalistic superiority or racism is crushed and in its place is birthed this passion for the nations to be glad in the presence of this God. And this is what happens at the establishment of Jerusalem. 
And this psalm is sung, and, and we, you can't really take these psalms very logically because they're songs, it's poetry, it's passion expressed to song. And so really what I, what I want to do is just pull out two themes from this psalm that I hope will sit in our hearts and lead us as we think about our role in seeing the glory of God known across the nations. And the two themes of this, one is our singing to God, and the second is our mission to the nations. And these two things are actually woven together. That our singing to God is a response to the glory of who God is. And as we sing to this God, it actually leads us to mission to the nations. And our mission to the nations is so that more people will actually end up singing to God. And so we get this singing to God and this mission to the nations coming together. So I want to just fuel us for a few moments. Is that okay? All right, you're with me. Singing to, the, to, to the, sing, singing to God because of the glory of God. Some nations are more like extrovert than other nations, just characteristically. You know, you don't need to mention which nations, but you know who they are, <clears throat> Brazil. You know, they're those kind of nations. But we all actually have songs as people groups and nations. You just kind of go through. There, there are many things that... Uh, are reflected in our lives and in our cultures and people groups through song like it might be your national anthem like a response to kind of the good national pride like yes there is a people here there is a there is a dignity here to this this people so our response to that we sing national anthems we might if you were English and you were around in 1996 you will know the Euros there was this kind of like bubbling optimism be quiet Pedro there was this bubbling optimism that England might actually win a football match and so what came out was this song it's coming home right it's coming home we're singing why because there was this kind of optimism out there about this English football team maybe we're going to do well and these songs arose like maybe we could and we didn't but we still believe that maybe one day we could won't be this year but maybe in another year because we respond to things in life through, through song. Well, like how, mu- how much poetry and love songs have been written because someone looks at a beauty and they look back at, I love you too, and you think, songs are written. We sing songs, don't we? Song is a response to the things of, of life. Spirituals were written in a response to hardship and persecution and slavery. Crying out to God. James said in James 5 that when you're cheerful, the right thing to do as God's people is to sing. If you're happy, sing. And you know that when you're happy, like sometimes you like you just sing songs. I catch myself like, you know, discombobulating my own brain cells. Like, what is that noise coming out of your mouth? But I'm just like, oh, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. Oh, well, I'm just like just singing odd songs that don't really make sense. I often put worship songs and I mash all sorts of lyrics together. If anyone heard me like, what kind of theology are you talking about here? But in my heart, I'm just happy and I'm like singing, singing to God. That's what that's what. And and in this moment, what the psalmist is writing, David is saying, when you see the glory of God, the right response to that is to sing. So he says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. 
And why? Because in verse four, there is a reason. It's not just sing like get yourself into a frenzy, get yourself into some kind of state. No, sing because verse four, four, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. So we see the greatness of the Lord and the right response as we see the glory of the Lord is to sing to worship him. There is a right response to say, I see beauty, I see strength in you. And in my heart, I want to express something of that to God. There is a right praising of good. And it's through song, it's through expressing something. You know, if you've seen like a good film or something, you've, something really good has happened, something that you love, you end up talking about it right you, you want to you know if you've got a hobby or a passion you you like you love just to talk about it there's something like there's something pleasurable in just talking about your hobby Pete and I went for a run yesterday and Steve in fact Steve went for a sprint I went for a like a pace I think I was like keeping up with these guys but we're just talking about running like my new hobby Pete's old hobby but like just like, talk, I, like it's quite enjoyable just chatting about it because we're like enjoying this you know when there's something that you love you actually want to talk about it right when you see the glory of God there is something that we want to express and so we sing back to him his glory so all these aspects of who he is in verse 6 splendor and majesty are before him and so when you see splendor and majesty strength and beauty you want to express some of that and we do that through songs to tell of his salvation from day to day when you're reminded of what God has done in your life the right response is to sing we just give him the glory. We, he says at the end of this psalm, when even we're told the trees and the inanimate objects of the world and the sea, we're told reflect on the fact that Jesus is going to come back and bring equity across the nations. Even the sea is going to be roaring with praise because he's coming back to judge. Like, I don't know what that's going to be like, this kind of tumultuous tidal waves of praise and glory. Trees doing what they should do and the oceans doing what they should do, all in response to the glory of this God who is going to judge and bring equity where there is injustice right now. And so we sing. It's the right response. But not only do we sing in response to the glory of God, we sing so that we can know and enjoy the glory of God because if you're like me you probably wake up most mornings not like hopping out of bed getting your tambourine out singing on the banjo feeling the joy of the Lord bouncing around you know no coffee but it doesn't matter because I've seen the glory of the Lord and it's gonna be okay uh, you know we don't normally unless you're like a proper morning person we don't wake up like that I certainly it takes me about a half an hour you know to remember my name who I am where I live what religion I am, that's a joke. It's a, um, like, just, okay, oh, so, so what happens in the morning, this is, this is like my practice, I would recommend it, but everyone's different. So I put music on, because it actually cultivates something in my heart, it reminds me, no, God is not just this abstract thing to believe in, he is a personal God who has died for me and I have a wonderful future with him in glory and it's good. And song and music reminds my heart that he is a good God. Music is a gift and our emotions are a gift to be, to be cultivated. Sometimes, um, especially in English settings, I don't think it's so much in other cultures and warmer cultures, but like we can be afraid of emotionalism. Like we, do, we don't want to like, 
manipulate emotions because that would be false. So we kind of back away from that. But actually our emotions are a gift of God that have been given to us. Just like our bodies are a gift of God, our minds are a gift of God, our relationships, our souls are a gift of God. Emotions are a gift of God so that we can feel things about him. Because you know you can, you can like have Bible read to you and you might say, yes, I understand that. That's really good news, etc., etc. But then you can put a worship song that puts very similar words to song. And what happens? It says, I know that. And now I'm beginning to feel it. I actually want to know this God. It, it brings us through to a fresh sight of the glory of God. And that is how God has made us. Our emotions are not something to be afraid of. Like, oh, I don't want to get emotions involved with my relationship with God because that wouldn't be a true and authentic thing. No, our emotions are actually part of who we are. And music is designed to elevate our emotions to the right kind of feeling about who God is. So actually we worship on a, on, a, on a moment like this so that we can sense and know and see the glory of God once again. William Law, who was an Englishman in the 1600s, and Englishmen in the 1600s weren't necessarily known for being emotional types of people. But he wrote this about the gift of music. He says, there is nothing that so clears away for your prayers, nothing that so disperses dullness of heart, nothing that so purifies the soul from poor or little passions, nothing that so opens heaven or carries your heart so near it as the songs of praise. They create a sense and delight in God. They awaken holy desires. They teach you how to ask and they prevail with God to give. They kindle a holy flame and they turn your heart into an altar, your prayers into incense and carry them as a sweet smelling savour to the throne of grace. Who's experienced that kind of experience in worship? You come in on a Sunday morning and you're like, you feel harassed, tired, busy. And after the first, second song, you think, oh, I actually do love you, God. And I really want the things of the kingdom. Anyone been through that experience? That's what music is designed. It reorientates us around the glory of who, who God is. So we sing out of response to the glory of God and also so that we might know his glory, that we sing about the truths of who he is and we're reminded of the, the splendour and the majesty of, of who he is. Let me just say two more things about singing. So we don't often talk about the actual act of singing. It takes up like sometimes half the service of what we do here on a Sunday. So two things about our singing that come up in this. The first thing is this, that the singing that Psalm 96 is calling for is passionate singing. I mean, it comes through with all these words, you know, sing, 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 declare, ascribe, tremble, rejoice, exult. There are all these words that are emotional words that involve not just going through the act of singing a song and then sitting down, but actually involve our hearts and our passions and our physical beings to give glory to God through song. The, the praise that this psalm is calling for is a passionate singing he says this in verse four he says for great is the lord to which we all say hallelujah but then he says something about the praise that should be in response to this great lord and he says and greatly to be praised and so i think what he's doing here is linking the greatness of god to the greatness of our praise so then because the lord is great 
The way in which we should praise the Lord should be great as well. There should be a sense in which people come amongst us and they say, you guys are giving great praise to a great God. Little gods deserve little praise, but a great God, he deserves great praise. Amen. He deserves our our everything. I remember once feeling quite convicted before we started this church a few years ago and uh, I was getting back into the gym and so you know my childhood dream to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger never going to be the case I was like right I'll just get back into the gym again and 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 I was like you know giving my going for it and I was like okay I know I was sitting in worship once and I was tired so I sat down and I was kind of like I'll just be meditative for this moment and just like take it in and and uh, I mean, I was a church leader at this point as well. And I just felt the spirit in that moment remind me of how I approached the gym. And I was like, reminded like, oh, you're tired sometimes, but you still go to the gym and you still exhaust yourself in the gym for this goal of looking like, well, I'm Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> and yet when it comes to church, if you're a little bit tired, you like, you take a seat, watch what's going on, become passive. I just felt like, oh my gosh, my priorities are wrong. It should be the other way around. I'm going to reserve energies, if anything, so that I can come to the house of God and praise him with great praise. So I now personally make a choice if I'm tired. I'm like, no, no, no. If I was tired in the gym and I kept going, I'm going to stay standing for another song. So I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you glory to God. I'm going to display how much you are worth to me. Because we, when we worship him, we are actually evangelizing. You know that? We're actually displaying how much we treasure our God. The question for us is, what do they walk into? When people come in, they don't know God, they don't know Jesus. What are they walking into? Are they walking into great praise because we have a great God? That is who we are going to be. We're going to be a church who gives God great praise. Sometimes churches, they say, well, we want to be more about the Bible. You know, we want to be Bible teaching, we want to know about the God, we want to know about these things, which I say, yes, and amen to. But if we are going to be about the Bible, there are lots of bits in the Bible that tell us to raise up holy hands in prayer, that ask us to kneel down in worship, that sometimes invite us to dance. I find that difficult, but there is dancing. There's like, there is a physical expression, if we are going to follow the Bible, that God deserves great praise. Amen? Will we be a church who gives God great praise on a Sunday morning? Which is why it's so important that sometimes we talk about coming early. And I know it's not easy and there's trains, etc. There's no judgment in this house. But why coming early is important because what we're doing is we're displaying the fact that this God is glorious and he deserves glorious praise and we have a few short moments to lift up his name for the good of our heart and for the good of his name and we're going to give him everything in this moment i turn up at the strength and conditioning class on time i want to turn up here on time i want to give you all the glory that you're due amen amen now if you don't turn up early next week there's no judgment because i realize there's trains but you you get my heart amen the, the second thing is this. He actually asks us to sing a new song, which is interesting. Sing to the Lord a new song. I just want to quickly say four ways in which I think we can sing new songs. I think we can sing new songs by singing old songs with faith. You sing before the throne of God above, my favourite. 
every time that song is sung fresh faith is kindled in my heart it's not old it's brand new to me every single time because i see christ afresh so we can sing old songs i think with faith and they become new in that moment we can also sing songs by ourselves that are extemporaneous that we just make up on the spot in the car on the way to work with our headphones on and we sing just new songs that just come out of our heart that doesn't have to be like a bridge or a chorus it's just words that flow that we start singing to god sometimes those thirdly a new song is something that we do congregationally like we did it just in a moment in our worship just before actually there is something that arises and it's out of our mother tongue it's out of english it's out of a spiritual language that we use and we just give god praise in a moment with words that come to our heart and we express that it's a new song or fourthly some of us are called to write brand new songs like onahili has done for us write new songs and put melodies and music to it so that we as a congregation can do all of these are so important because christ's mercy is fresh every day so we sing new songs to the lord amen so our songs are passionate and they're new that's the first point i think the points get quicker so let's just see i think the second thing is this singing to god moves us to mission to the nations because when you see the god that we're worshiping and you realize the extent of who he is and how far his reign goes and how glorious he is and who he has brought a salvation for then our hearts are moved from beyond ourselves to the nations beyond us so continually through this psalm we're told of different aspects of who this god is so the first thing we're told is of this his salvation we're told sing to the lord and bless his name tell of his salvation from day to day so our songs are filled with truth about the salvation that god has brought for us in jesus christ and we sing these songs and when we come to see this salvation that christ has won for us and that is for all the nations our hearts are taken where our songs are and well if the lord has died for the sins of all the nations when we sing that and our hearts are moved our lives begin to get shaped around this god who is for all the nations in revelation 5 we're told of this moment where this kind of glimpse into the future where the nations are gathering around christ and they sing this song worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you jesus you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for god from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our god and they shall reign on the earth hallelujah this is the salvation that God has wrought for us in Jesus Christ. It is a ransom for people from every tribe and language and people and nation. And, and a ransom is, is actually a, a price that has been paid for someone to be set free from captivity. It is a price, it is a cost that has been paid. And this salvation that we're told of in Psalm 96 is something that God has brought for his people when christ went and he died on that cross he didn't die as like a symbol of his love to us and then he rose again and is now sat at the right hand of the father and is like kind of hoping that someone might say yes to him and and join his team christ didn't kind of create a way for people to walk through a door and say 
yeah, yeah, I'll join your team. You don't seem like a bad God. I'll, I'll be on your team. That's fine. When Christ died on the cross, he paid the ransom for the lives of people from every nation, every tribe, every language. That there are people who have been bought by Jesus Christ. His salvation is effective for people from every single nation on the face of the earth. Jesus even said in Mark 13, 10, that he's not going to come back until every nation has heard of the good news of what he has done on the cross. That there are people in every people group across the face of the earth who have been bought with the blood of Christ. And it is our role as we see this salvation to go then and tell them that there is a saviour who has died for them and that his salvation might become real in other people's lives. So when we see the glory of this salvation, we say, now we must be involved in this salvific project. Amen. We're also told that the Lord, he reigns. Towards the end of the psalm, so I'm jumping around my Bible, getting too happy here. Psalm 96 verse 10, he says, Say among the nations, what does he say? The Lord reigns. Say in the middle of a city like London, with so many nations, Declare that the Lord, he reigns over all the nations. Tell Ukrainians who are struggling, say there is a God who is above all of this, who reigns and has a plan and will bring salvation and justice into being. Say amongst the Indians in Uttar Pradesh, there is a God who reigns and he has a good plan and will bring justice. Say to the South Americans, the Lord he reigns hallelujah say amongst asia the lord he reigns there are other politicians and leaders trying to scrabble at leadership but there is a god above all politicians who reigns all corruption all injustice there is a jesus who reigns over all the nations and he has a good plan may we declare this god through our song and as we do so a passion is birthed to go and tell other nations. Don't look to politics finally. Don't look to business. Don't look to money. Look to Jesus. He is the one who is coming. Because finally at the end of this psalm, it's told, he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. We see this God who will finally come to judge. And it's funny because oftentimes we think of judgment day and we think of like, it's going to be a bad day. We were doing it in beacons and we were trying to come up with different actions. And okay, well, how, how do we act out judgment day? And, and the kind of actions that came through were kind of cross faces, you know, wagging fingers, like going to tell you off, which I can understand. You know, I, I grew up with a, a cup. My name, Daniel, means God is my judge. And on this cup, was a picture literally it's what I grew up with a cup I was gifted this by the way I don't know I don't know I look back at like a five-year-old boy like who, who would think to give me this cup it was a picture of a boy who had smashed a window and this finger coming through the clouds wagging its finger Daniel God is my judge it's like oh thanks that makes me feel really great about following God <laughs> like <laughs> But we sometimes think that, right? Like judgment day, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be involved in that. Like, 
But what we're told as Christians is that judgment day comes when Christ goes to the cross and he receives our condemnation. He receives the punishment that was due on us, on him, on the cross, so that for us, judgment day has already happened 2,000 years ago. The, the, the symbol of judgment day for us is an embrace of the Father, a welcome, a well done, my good and faithful servant. Come into glory. Justice is going to be done now. This is what we hope for, which is why creation is exulting and rejoicing and hoping and singing for this moment. And so as we sing to this God, there is an impulse that is born in our heart. So we must go and tell others that there is a judgment day that is coming that you can be on the good side of. That God will come and he will bring you into his glory. It will not be a bad day for you because Christ has taken your judgment on himself. So come to him. So singing leads us to the mission of God and the mission of God leads to more singing. Final point. John Piper in his great book, Let the Nations Be Glad, he says that missions exist because worship doesn't. That we go on mission to other nations because actually there are those who don't yet know the glory of God. They don't see him. They are not singing praise. They don't know what it is to enjoy this God who made them. And so we are involved in mission so that we can see more singing birthed in other hearts. There'll be new song in new languages, in new people groups, in new cultures and in new nations. And so we're involved in serving and praying for this purpose. Knowing with this confidence that Jesus is gathering a people to himself. Because John says in Revelation 7 after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb hallelujah nations are going to gather and our purpose right now is to see God's glory known in those nations so that they might be there on that final day worshiping this Jesus with us amen there are four ways in which we can respond and I want to just lay these out briefly for us as we sing to this God and we go on mission for the nations there are four ways that we can go with God on mission the first way we can do is pray from this place we can change the destinies of lives cities towns cultures because the God that we pray to he oversees all people groups so we pray to the headquarters of all power and he listens to us as we pray in Christ's name so when we pray we are involved in mission to the nations I read Psalm 67 earlier in the prayer meeting but we use just the, the, the Psalms the prayers the promises of God for the nations and we turn them into prayers I mean Psalm 67 is itself a prayer let the nations be glad O God and sing for joy for you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. And so we pray, Lord, would you let the nations be glad? Would there be new joy in hearts in you? So we pray, we pray to God. That's the first thing. The second thing we can do is we can actually go. 
we move from London and we go to other nations with a passion to see other people groups come to faith in Jesus Christ. Some of you have done that. The Larkins have been in Lebanon and the Middle East. The Harwoods have been in India with this passion to see Christ be known. Ash, who's not here today, he's got this passion to go to Indonesia one day to, to take the gospel of Jesus to Indonesian people. There is a call on us to, to go for some of us. And so, so we go. And with this knowledge in mind that the nations, when we talk about the nations, we don't just simply mean the 190 or so nations recognised by the UN. But scholarship has been done around what, what is actually being talked about by these families of the earth in the Bible, what is talked about by these nations. And the Joshua Project, if you just Google them, it's an amazing uh, charity that's set up to help kind of what they say, define, clarify the unfinished task of missions. So that when Jesus says in Mark 13, 10, that I won't come back until all the nations have heard, you might think, well, there's definitely gospel churches in all 190 odd uh, nations right now. But actually, it's a far bigger, broader thing. And the Joshua Project estimate that when we take the biblical definition of nations which overlaps language and tribe culture people kindred all of these things they estimate there's somewhere between 11,000 and 24,000 people groups that is encapsulated by this word nations in the bible we're talking about people groups cultures so one in the, the uh, conference many years ago defined a people group like this a people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planting movement without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. So it's a people group by which you can talk basically in the vernacular and there will be no barriers between how you talk, share and do life. If that makes sense. Anywhere between 11 and 24,000. And they estimate that there's over 7,000 people groups who are yet unreached, who have no understanding of who Jesus is. The amazing thing in the video we heard two weeks last week was Fusi was sharing that at the moment Regions Beyond is involved in sharing the gospel with nine of those unreached people groups. That is the unfinished task of targeting our efforts towards people groups who have never heard of Jesus. And this is where we go. So some of you may be called to say, actually, I want to give myself to a people group. I want to serve them. Some of you might be linguists. There are Bible translations that need to be made in other languages. You can serve in that process. So you need to go, make friends with those. Even in uh, London, a few years ago, Friends International, they estimated there were some 35, 36 of the unreached people groups here in London. So you can actually stay in London and be involved in reaching the ends of the earth. Some of you are going to be called to do that, to lay down foundations in this city, to make sacrifices to live here, so that from this place of strength, we might pray and send and give to the nations. And the last thing we can do is to give, to give financially, to serve into the mission. And that's something that we do have very often in the, in the New Testament. Paul is writing to letters to, to churches, and some churches have and some churches don't have and he asked for those who have to give to those who don't have and at the moment the the global south the global poor they are the spiritual powerhouse what they don't have 
financial resources just to see the gospel of flame go further and faster and deeper. And what we can do is serve in the mission to the nations by giving financially.